Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. So we return to our seats. Let's put our hands together for Jesus, people of God. God is good, and he is gracious. He is kind. I'm glad y'all are enjoying fellowshipping. And I'm hoping that y'all bring that same spirit of fellowship next week to our official launch service as Refresh Community Church. Amen, amen. Listen, God has been good. He's been faithful. Um, I'm so grateful uh, for what he is doing. And so uh, Joe, unlike Joe talked about, you know, the parking, the walkover, and, you know, Joe said he's not in great shape. Well, I am, okay? And uh, no, just <laughs> me and Joe are about to say. But anyway, uh, no, but uh, it, it is a little walk. But I wanted to delve into the why. You know, like, why would we have you guys park over there and go for a little walk, and it's because we want you to get your steps in, Uh, because (laughs) we want you to hit that 10,000, and here's why. We want y'all to hit that 10,000, because in our parking lot, we're going to have food trucks for this little shindig that we have, and that's right, hallelujah, for food trucks, and you know, we're going to have, we are carefully curating um, some of the best food trucks in U-City for my dining pleasure. You're free to come too, Uh, but... (laughs) But no, we, we really, we're seriously going to have food trucks. So don't get, if you're like, ah, I'm not coming, I don't want to walk, you do not want to miss uh, these food trucks that are going to be here. But um, if you come from a church tradition where we had like a family and friends day, um, that's kind of what the feel is going to be. So I want to encourage you all, um, as uh, Pastor Joe said, we got the cards out there inviting people to uh, the, the event, like take it. Go and hand it to people, encourage folks to come and visit, come and hang out with us, um, and it is going to be a great time. But I'm looking forward to it. And what time are we going to be here next week? 10 o'clock. If you come at 9, you help them set up. That's right. That's right. Y'all know how that go. You, you show up to some place at 9 o'clock. We're going to hang you some chairs. Like, there you go. Let's get set up out here. And uh, But no, but we'll have service at 10. If you come at 11... I might still be preaching, who knows, but whatever, come at 10, uh, and we're going to have a good time, it's going to be a good time of fellowship, uh, but we are continuing our sermon series, so as we have made this transition from the Journey Hanley Road to Refresh Community Church, uh, the Lord has given us this beautiful vision, and it's a God-sized vision to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people, um, and we know that in our own power and our own efforts, we cannot fulfill this calling. And so we are looking at God to do this. Um, and he has laid on my heart to just preach through this mission and vision for this month. And so if you have your Bibles, the next two sermons, we're going to be camping out in the Gospel of John. So we're going to go over to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's right. Let's give it up for John. He's been gone for a while. John, uh, it's fourth uh, book in the New Testament, the last gospel written. And if New Testament and gospel, none of that means a lot to you, uh, download that, that Bible app, put in alphabetical order, and go on over to J. It's all good. And if none of that works, we got it on the screens for you. 
I'm going to be looking at John chapter 13. And if we would stand together in reverence for God's word. John 13, we're going to look at verse 1 through 17, and then I'm going to grab a couple verses um, from verses uh, from later in the chapter, verses 34 and 35. And when you have it, give me an amen. 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 John 13, verse 1 through 17. Here's the reading. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he, laid, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said to him, what I'm doing now you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need, does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed, his, washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And hop over later in the chapter to verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, our Father, we come to you now in this preaching moment. God is beggars searching for bread. Father, I pray that you would feed us with manna from on high. Father, remind us of what true love looks like through the example that you have left us. So, Father, I pray that you would think through my mind and speak through my mouth and edify and encourage your bride today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I want to just lift up for a thought for a moment here. And this is going to be our, our theme, um, or our, our, the portion of our vision that we're focusing on today, the second part, our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose. And I would like to take for a sub-thought there, relationships renewed by love. Relationships renewed by love. You know, as I prepare for this message, there are a lot of ways that I choose to prepare Oftentimes when I'm in preparation and I'm getting my sermon together, you know, I read a lot of books and commentaries and stuff like that. Um, but as I looked at this text, um, I decided that it wasn't fit at the moment for me to read a lot of books, but to listen to some music. And I'm just going to be transparent and honest with you. I got some of the most jamming playlists on Apple Music, This Side of Heaven. Um, and so it wasn't hard for me to find music. And I had put in, I, I realized that this text here, what I was going to focus on is I thought about our relationships being renewed by Christ's purpose, and the Lord led me to this text, I realized that this was a text about love. So I put love songs in, and a whole lot of Luther came up, and I said, no, that's not the kind of love that I need right now. 
Not right now. Maybe later. Not right now. I already got a four-month-old. No more Luther for the moment right now. <laughs> no more Luther right now. I, I, I need something more general about human love and us, the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God, um, and how we need more love for one another. And I began to go through different songs on that and, and there are lots of things out there. There was Heal the World by Michael Jackson and all those friends. Um, make it a better place for you and for me and for the entire human race. There was um, going all the way back to the 70s. It wasn't a song directly about love, but he talked about love. It's a brother that we all know had a velvety smooth voice. His name was Marvin Gaye. And in 1971, Brother Gaye asked a question through an album. And the question was simply, what's going on? And in the face of injustice and discrimination, he wanted to know what was going on in there's a line in what's going on where he says, see, war is not the answer. I can hear Brother Gay's voice right now. I want to sing it, but y'all don't want to hear that, so I'll just read it. You see, war is not the answer, for only love can conquer hate. You know, we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. And then in 1984, Brother Bob Marley made a whole song, him and his friends, the Whalers, and it was simply one love, one heart. Let's join together and feel what? Feel all right. Y'all know Brother Bob Marley. It's all right. And then in 2003, some friends got together, a multi-ethnic multi um, motley crew by the name of the Black Eyed Peas, and they asked the question, where is the love? And they had questions about that. And as I listened to these songs and I read poetry and I looked at literature that talked about love, I realized that human beings can genuine, uh, generally agree that the world and how we experience it as it is is broken. And that the relations that we have with one another, the relationships that we have across ethnic groups and across socioeconomic groups is somehow not in this ideal place. And in a sense, they're arguing and they're asking for what is our very vision, which is that we would see relationships renewed. But as I looked and I, I examined these cultural artifacts, I realized that they all lacked a standard of love. They had this ideal, they had this picture, they had something that they desired, but they did not have a standard. And in today's world, I don't know if we realize it or not, but even the word love is under contention. People do not agree on what it actually means to love someone. This is, was also fascinating as I surveyed cultural artifacts, is that in the last 20 years, there's been a surprising dearth of songs about the brotherhood of humanity and love for one's general man. I wondered to myself, I don't know, I ain't did no research yet, but I wonder, does this match up with the last 20 years of rapid division and hatred that's the worst that we've seen in almost a generation? I'm not sure, but I realized that we did not have a clear definition or standard or picture or what love is. But what I looked at as I looked at this text, I realized that Jesus Christ does not just give us a textbook definition of love, but what he gives us is a demonstration of love to give us our definition of love as his people. Because he did not want his church to be confused, lost, uneasy, mixed up about what it looked like to love one another. And so he leaves us with this object lesson. And do you know how important this has to be? This is the Passover. This is the night that he will be betrayed handed over into the hands of the Romans and he spends it 
demonstrating what love means for the 12 apostles who will carry on the gospel as he knows it. And so what this has to do with us is that we have this beautiful God-sized vision to see our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose. And I'm here to tell you that if we actually want to see this happen, Refresh Community Church, it sounds good, it looks good on paper, we got pretty colors to go with it. But if we actually want to see it, it's going to take us humbling ourselves and serving one another despite ourselves. And so God has embarked on this strange social experiment here in U City to put together a motley crew, a diverse group of people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And then he says that, listen, you can have all the promo stuff you want. I'm really calling you to actually have love for one another. Do you actually know how challenging that is when we all come to this word and this concept of love from different ethnic, different cultural, different educational, different perspectives, different media, different conditioning? And so we need an objective picture of what what it means to actually experience and pour out God's love on one another. And what I love about this picture of love is not just tied to a mission and a vision of a church, but if you take these principles that I believe arises organically from this text and you apply them to your marriages, your friendships, your work environments, I believe that God will be, bring healing and reconciliation. And so this morning, we are hanging out in the Gospel of John. We're hanging out with a guy that theologians like to call, check this out, the Apostle of Love. It sounds like the beginning of, of, the, uh, of the quiet storm that come on your radio station about the, the Apostle of Love. That's, that's where we at. That's, that's, that, that's where we at. We're looking at the Apostle of Love, John, the Apostle of Love. And he is called such... Because he is known as the disciple that Jesus loved. He had a unique relationship with Jesus, a close relationship with Jesus. Jesus and John were so tight that here at the Lord's Supper, the last meal that Jesus will eat before he goes to be with the Father, the Bible says that John is leaning on Jesus. You know how tight they had to be when I'm trying to eat? I don't want nobody leaning on me. I need you to give me my personal space. When I got a hamburger and some fries in front of me, get up off me. I'm trying to go to work. But they were so tight that while they ate dinner, John just leaned on Jesus, and he was the apostle of love. John takes up the subject of love in our text today in John 13, and Jesus gives us this object lesson, this picture, and this illustration of what it means to love. And so he leaves us in a place so that Christians in his church is not confused on what true relational capital and true relational love looks like. And it doesn't look like a warm fuzzy, if you're worried about that. It doesn't look like a Hallmark card or or a hallmark picture, but it, it is a selfless, self-forgetting service and pouring oneself out for one another. And so in this text, I found four what the great musician from Miami, DJ Khaled, called major keys that I want to drop on you real quick. Do y'all want to know what they are before I get out your way? Got four major keys for you real quick that we see in the text that will help your relationships and our church relationships be renewed by love. And the first idea I want to give you is that our relationships are renewed by love when we lay down our status. Our relationships are renewed by love when we lay down our status. Look at the text. Verse 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them down with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now listen, I read this text. I didn't need to read name commentary. I didn't need to read no Greek or no Hebrew because here is what I know. 
I'm a grown man. I'm 2,000 years removed from this moment. And today, in 2023, I ain't going to be washing feet just all willy-nilly at a dinner table. I don't need a commentary to tell me that this is a menial, lowly, demeaning act. I don't need to go to seminary. I can just look at this and say, this is wild right here. Like Jesus, the God of the universe, gets up and begin to wash feet. He just literally, the text says that he got up and just, just washed feet. Now, when I finally did get around to looking at some exegetical materials and all the stuff, I found out that I'm not the only one who felt that way, but the original artist, uh, uh, audience that would have been receiving this text felt the same way. Because what I found out was that this was a task for the most menial servant. It was so menial that only a slave could do it. In fact, not just any slave could do this job, but a non-Jewish slave was the only person person who could do this job. And Jesus Christ here as a rabbi in his time with thousands, tens of thousands of people following him and at his beck and call chooses to do the job of the lowest and most menial servant. And in this picture lesson that he gives to us, we see this picture of what the incarnation is all about. Y'all do realize that this is Jesus. He's not just a popular rabbi. He's just not the most eminent teacher of his time. He's just not the person on which the entire East and Western civilization would turn on, but he is the second person of the Trinity. He is God in the flesh. He is the Logos. He is the animating principle of all of creation. He is the one by whom all things are upheld by the word of his power. He is the very substance and a fountainhead from which the image of God springs. He is not in the image of God. He is the image of God. He is the blueprint of all humanity. He is the colder together of everything that exists. He is the wisdom of God from Proverbs 7 by which God fashioned the universe. And here he is in this text washing feet. You see, the whole incarnation is a picture of Philippians chapter 2, what the apostle Paul calls kenosis. It's the emptying of himself. Let me be clear. He did not empty himself of his deity. He really just poured, he, he actually just poured his deity into a container and housed it there for 33 years. And in his pouring the fullness of the Godhead into a body for 33 years, he by definition limited himself of some of his prerogatives and exercised them only in submission to the Father. And so we have here the infinite one pouring water on feet. Paul sums it up this way in Philippians 2. To let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross." Carlos, what does this have to do with me? Here is the whole point. You ain't got to be a genius to figure it out. It's easy peasy. If God can humble himself to serve people, so can you because you ain't God. Did y'all see that? It's an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God, the creator of everything, who's entitled to everything because he created everything, can pour out and lay down his privilege, his prerogative, his status. If he can do that, surely you can. Look, I, I, I understand. I get it. You're, you're important, okay? You got degrees. I, I understand. You run your own business. I got it. You balling out of control. You got way more money than I got. Your bank account is out of, out of this world. I understand. But if Jesus can lay down the privilege of the creator, surely you can lay down your privilege to serve one another. 
You know, this whole passage, Paul is such a genius of a theologian because he gives us one of the most exalted Christological passages. It's actually a hymn that we found, find it. And before that, he's actually addressing a couple people in the church at the Philippians, that uh, Philippian church that was getting into it and can't quite get along. And before that, he tells them, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In other words, he's saying you have to give up the main character syndrome. You, you are not the main character in the drama of redemption Jesus is. And so he says that you need to count others more, more significant than ourselves. And that's hard to do because we're always thinking about what we deserve and how our life should be because of who we are. Some of us are struggling on a dating scene right now because we're leaning into singleness with this idea of what we deserve versus what we can give and how we can uh, lay ourselves down. But, but Jesus says here, I have laid all of my status and my privilege down so that I can give the fullness of myself in service. And and listen, this, this, this picture of self-forgetfulness is possible not because Jesus had low self-esteem, okay? It wasn't that Jesus was struggling with low self-esteem or didn't value himself properly. How do I know that? Is that in the text? You bet your bottom dollar is in the text. Look at verse 3. Look, it says, Jesus knowing that God had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, started washing feet. Here is what I want to tell you guys. The reason why we can practice self-forgetfulness and serve one another and give ourselves to caring for one another and lay down our preferences and our privileges and our status is because our identity is not found in any of those things, but it is secure in heaven with Jesus Christ. And so because our identity is seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places, we are here to serve. We are free to serve and to love here on earth because our identity is in nothing except Eternal. You know, so in fact, you, if you want to measure your spiritual maturity, you know you don't do that um, by looking at how many scriptures you can quote, even though it's important, know, you know your Bible, or how many times you go to church. The way you can measure your humility or, or measure your spiritual maturity is how much of yourself you're willing to deny for the service of others. And, 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 and the more that we find our identity of Christ, the more we have the ability to exercise what the late great saint, I ain't going to call it Dr. Moore, Saint, Saint Tim Keller called the freedom of self-forgetfulness. You know, I just, uh, just this week, me and the staff was on a retreat, and, uh, you know, there, there are glories, there are mountaintops and valleys to, to being a multi-ethnic church. This is a beautiful uh, inheritance that the Lord has given us here where we transcend cultures and preferences. And I had an exercise this week of laying down my preferences because we were planning this beautiful staff retreat when our staff would get away for two days and pray and minister to one another and focus on what the Lord has for us this year. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. Y'all know where I'm from. I'm from the D, Detroit. That's right. Detroit. Detroit stand up. What up, though? That's where I'm from. Okay? And, 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 and because of that, when I think retreat in Detroit, we retreat on rooftops. I think we do the same thing here in St. Louis. You know, you get you a rooftop, you know, and in my mind, we're going on a retreat. So we're going to be downtown, maybe you city. We're going to be up on the rooftop. I'm going to see the arts right there. My Instagram stories are going to be off the chain. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be the arts right here, the little bridge, you know, little libation right here, you know, and it's going to be a libation, you know, it's going to be cool. And, and, and I'm going to do that. But the staff said, no, retreat. We should go in the woods. I said, the what? The wood, like, and by the woods, I thought they meant like, like you know, okay, we can go in the woods, we, we can go to Chesterfield, that's woody enough for me, like, yeah, there's trees out there, we're gonna, we can go on over to Heeman Park and, you know, 
No, 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 they meant the woods, like out yonder. Like I, we drove so far, there was no paved road. And I just was looking at it. I talked to my wife as far as I could, and I sent my location because I was so nervous. And, and I know what y'all are thinking. I know, I know what y'all are thinking. Here's what's crazy about it. Y'all thinking that they took me out there, but it wasn't them. It wasn't who you think that came up with this idea. It was the other ones on the staff that was actually, <laughs> got you, right? You thought it was them. Wasn't even them. It's the other ones. Yeah, I felt betrayed that day. I was like, I'm out there like, but had to practice self-forgetfulness. <laughs> so I forgot myself and went into the woods, but I'm going to tell you what I didn't forget. I didn't forget what the old preachers used to call the words of prayer, because I prayed all the way as I passed through Cuba, Missouri, and kept going, and wasn't even no speed limit signs. But anyway, we were out there, and it was beautiful. The Lord really met us out there. I really did. I had a great time. I actually was like, I can dig the woods. I, I, okay, we, we were sitting there looking at the stars and the Big Dipper. It was beautiful. I was like, wow, I didn't even know it was all this up here. I'm such a city dude. <laughs> and, but the Lord met us, and we actually began to talk about this idea of self-forgetfulness. And there's a book I would just commend to you. That's what it's called, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. And in this book, Keller talks about how we can better serve one another when we lay down our ego and our preferences and find our identity in Jesus rather than in all these externals. And, and, and I just think about that's a simple uh, uh, expression of self-forgetfulness to go where you don't necessarily want to go. But man, God met us in a way that, we, that I would have never experienced if I had not forgot about self. And let me tell you something, Refresh Community Church. There are ways that God wants to meet us, but we will only experience it if we are willing to forget about ourselves and lean in and serve one another. And so with self-forgetfulness, we are free to serve and love because our identity is in, is in none of these things. But not only do we experience this renewal of relationship through love when we lay down our status? But check this out. We experience this renewal of love when we get our hands dirty. Now, now I, I started doing some, some Greek and some Hebrew, and I was like, Lord, I'm going to exegete this thing. So I looked up the Greek word for feet, and when I looked up feet in the Greek, it still meant feet. I was, I, to my chagrin, Feet in English is just Greek for feet. I was like, okay. And, 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 and I, I just thought about this because I started doing math. And I said, God, it was 12 men at this table. 12, assuming that they all had two feet, and the Bible don't tell me nothing different. 12 times 2 is 24. That's 24 feet. Now listen, these are not just feet, beloved. These, <laughs> these are foots, Okay. There were no manicures or pedicure centers in Jerusalem. I searched the text high and low, and there's no mention of cocoa butter or shea butter for these feet. These are Galilean fishermen, Judean dust-covered, depraved, broken, cracked, ashy, dirty feet. They walked all over Israel with these feet. They, they walked up mountains. They just had on sandals. They didn't have on Timberlands or nothing. They just walking in flip-flops all over the Judean wilderness. Let me tell you, feet were so notoriously dirty in this time period that when you came in a the house, they gave you a bowl of water because they knew how dirty the feet were. Carlos, what this got to do with anything? This is the most filthy, dirty part 
of the body at this time due to the, the way they had to get around. And Jesus washes 24 of them. So he said, son, as you look at this text, know that my hands were dirty that these feet were muddy, that there was stuff in between the toenails. It was a few things growing in between Thaddeus and them feet. It was, and, and I got my hands dirty. And I, I say, God, I got to preach this thing. I don't just need a, a picture here. I, I, like, like, what has this got to do with it? He says, children of God, if you are going to see your relationships renewed by love, you've got to be able and be willing to engage one another at the place where they're most broken and filthy and not at their best. You... You see, it's, it's easy, you know, because if it was me, this would have been a whole different passage. If I was Jesus, it would have been a hand-washing service, and Carlos <laughs> passed out hand sanitizer, and they ate hummus, and, and, and he went on to the cross. That was, but, but God says that, that no, I don't want to, I don't want to pick, paint this picture that you need to engage one another where it's already a little clean. I want you to get in the trenches with one another. And people of God, if we are going to see our relationships renewed, we've got to be willing to love one another, not at our best, not when our money is fine, not when we're blessed and highly favored, but when we're broken, busted, disgusted, frustrated, messed up, we failed, we're struggling. Are you willing to love me in a place when my brokenness is shining through? You know. Jesus, Jesus not only pictures this or gives us this picture of this through washing feet, it's the picture of him and the disciples. Do you realize until Jesus resurrected and went on high that the disciples were struggling and failing the whole time? The entire time. I mean, just think about this. Jesus himself, he's there and he's walking around with you. He gets on a boat because he's tired because he got in the flesh and this is the flesh part talking. He's sleepy. He took a nap. After you've seen him heal, deliver, and do all this stuff, and you go down there and wake. First of all, don't wake me up from no nap after I got done preaching. This is a post. This is a Sunday morning after preaching nap. They done messed up Jesus after sermon nap, and they're going to say to him, Lord, do you care that we are drowning? Oh, what kind of question is this? And so Jesus gets up and still, they had no faith, Mark tells us. These are the same people that when Jesus Tells them, hey, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to be crucified. Three days, I'm going to resurrect it, but they're going to whip me. They're going to beat me and all these things. They don't say, dang, Lord, how do you feel about that? Let me check in on your heart, Jesus. How are you doing? They don't do any of that. In fact, when he's praying in Gethsemane and asked them to pray for him, they went on to sleep and left him by himself. You want to know what they do? They start arguing about who's going to take his spot when he dies. And you know exactly what Jesus does the entire story of the Gospels? He loves them anyway. Even when they fail, even when they're broken, which is the majority of the time. And what he says, refresh, you can have all this pretty stuff on these slides. But if you're really going to see your relationships renewed and restored, you've got to love each other in the most dirty, broken, fallen places of one another's lives. This is what the Jesus Storybook Bible, yes, that's the children's Bible. Everybody should read it Cause God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. The Hebrews called it his hesed. It's his covenant love. It's his commitment to us even when we're messed up. And so I, I was looking at this and I said, God, I don't, I don't want to have to get our hands dirty. But he said it's the only way that you can experience the power of redemptive love. 
and I, I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about a novel that I had uh, begun reading, and it's one of the few books that actually made me weep, and in the first part of it, I'm introduced in the book uh, Les Mis, this French historical novel by Victor Hugo. If you've not read it, you should. Um, there's this guy, the Bishop of Denier, who encounters an ex-con by the name of Jean Valjean, um, and he meets this guy, and the guy is just what you would think of as an ex-con, and he invites him into his home, feeds him, and he treats him kindly because he was a wandering stranger in town. And what this guy, ex-con, does, he does exactly what you think you're going to do. He robs the bishop, okay? He didn't tie him up or nothing. He was nice enough to wait until he go to sleep. Takes all of his silver, takes all of his, all of his plates and all of his cutlery, and he takes it away. Well, the French police was on their job, and they pick this brother up and takes him back to the bishop's house. And when he gets there before the bishop, the bishop pretends that what he stole from him was actually a gift. And he tells him, he said, brother, here's what I want you to do. Take whatever you have taken, what I've given you, and use it to make yourself an honest man. Eventually, the ex-com brother Valjean eventually gets himself together and he does just that. He becomes an honest man. He becomes a caring man. He spends the rest of his life chasing and trying to fulfill the love and commitment that he made to the bishop. And here is the picture. And what I love so much about that book is that it shows us the power of redemptive love. And here's the reality. You never know whose life you can change by simply loving and not giving up on somebody. And, and I know that I know sometimes we wrestle with that because sometimes they're tiring and they're calling again and you didn't gave them advice and they didn't listen to it. And it's three in the morning. You got to go to work in the morning. I, I understand. But don't give up on them. I know they needy. They're time consuming. It, it is just every time you turn around, you got your own family and kids. You ain't got time for them. But don't give up on them because God is trying to show them what he is able to do when somebody lavishes undeserved love on them and redeems them through love. And so we got to be willing to, to lay down our status, but we got to be willing to get our hands dirty. Listen, some folks just take a little more, a little more work than others, and I was one of them folks. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for some folks who love me good, y'all wouldn't have a pastor right now. And so we want to lay down our status. We want to get our hands dirty. But this is the one you're not going to like, okay? I'm, I'm just going to give you a heads up that Jesus models that we can have our relationships renewed by love when we love despite being wounded. Now, I told you I'm giving you a heads up. You might not like this one. But if we want to see this picture, relate, you know, our, our relationships renewed by Christ's purpose, it's going to sound great on the Instagram uh, videos. It's going to sound phenomenal. But if you actually want to see that, the Lord said to me, you're going to have to love despite being wounded. Look at this text. Look at verse 9. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only. Peter says, look, not, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And, and Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. He's completely clean. But you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew, Jesus knew, who was going to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. Picture this. Twelve dudes, 24 feet. A lot of names that could have been said here. There are only two disciples that are named in John chapter 13. Peter and Judas. Doesn't name John, doesn't talk about him. Doesn't talk about Bartholomew, he never comes up. Andrew's here. They're all here. And the only two that the account names is Peter and Judas. So you got on one hand, Peter. Peter, 
is a good dude. This is Peter. He didn't got out the boat. He walked on the water with Jesus. He was the first to confess Jesus to Christ. He was on a mount of transfiguration. Shoot, he even gets it right here in this text. He say, God, I know how demeaning this is. I'm not going to let you demean yourself because I know exactly who you are. And Jesus says that, uh, you know, I'm, if you don't let me wash you, if you don't let me pour out this expression of my refreshing, this expression of my salvation, this expression of salvation and cleansing from sin that will be reenacted through the waters of baptism, over in Acts chapter 2. If you don't allow me to do this, you have no union with me, no koinonia, no fellowship with me. And Peter says, well, God, I don't want to be out of fellowship with you, so don't just wash my feet. Give me a whole bath. That's what I'm on. And Jesus is like, pause, bro. I'm going to just wash these feet. <laughs> just wash your feet. Calm down. <laughs> that's, that's good enough. Jesus says, I'm but Peter understands. Peter understands, God, I, 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 I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be connected to you. If Peter is here representing something to us, it's the picture of a disciple who, though falling and faltering and failing and struggling, is consistently striving to know Jesus. But on the other hand, you got... Judas. You got Judas who ain't never been right. He's been stealing money out the out the he's been skimming off the top the whole time. He been every time they go to tap to pay, he tapping it on his own uh, square instead of on the thing of the church. The whole time Judas been skimming off the top. Even though he's preached, he's cast out devils, he's done all the things the other 12 have done, and yet he does not know Jesus. And yet, juxtapose, you got the guy who's struggling and failing and all these things who actually loves Jesus, and you got the other guy who isn't trying at all but doesn't love Jesus really. One of them, Peter, the guy who's struggling and failing, is on the cusp of the most cataclysmic failure of his life. He is about to deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. In a few hours, he's going to deny Jesus three times. Jesus, he's about to deny the one who he said to love, the one who he said, I will die for you. And he's so committed. He doesn't deny him in front of the army. In fact, when the army comes up, he pulls out the blicky and about to go to work. But then he actually does not because Jesus told him to calm down. He denies him in front of a servant girl. Not in front of the army, a servant girl. Three times. Judas is about to deny him for 30 pieces of silver and hand him over to crucifixion. And guess what Jesus does for the person who betrays him and the person who denies him? He washes their feet. Even though he knew, he tells you, I know you're going to betray me, Judas. Later on in chapter 13, I didn't read it, but he's going to tell Peter, I know you're going to deny me, Peter. And he makes no differentiation and he washes their feet anyway. Beloved, here's the message that God has for us, that we are never more like Jesus than when we love and serve someone faithfully who has wounded us deeply. Here's the truth. Here, here's the truth. We want to excuse ourselves from this kind of love when we've been hurt by somebody. When somebody has talked about us, when somebody has gossiped us, when somebody has betrayed us. And I'm not talking people outside the body of Christ. I'm talking about church folks now. 
I'm talking about people who you have worshiped with, people who you have served with, people who you have ministered to and with and for. When they turn on you like Judas or you see their humanness like Peter, the temptation is to excuse ourselves from loving them. But God says, Refresh Community Church, if you actually want to be a Jesus-like church, you're going to have to lean in with more love for the people who have wounded you, more love for the people who have failed you, more love for the people who have talked about you, more love for the people who have scandalized your name. More love for those who have caused you the most pain. Now, this is a hard lesson. I told y'all, this ain't one of them fluffy love lessons. This is, the, this is the rubber hitting the road of, this is the rubber of Christianity hitting the road of life. If you want to be a Christian, this is what it looks like. And y'all, it hurts. It's painful. It's not easy. Ask Joseph about this kind of love when he had to provide for the very people who had sold him into slavery, who had forgotten about him, who actually tried to kill him, and he had to feed them and their kids. It hurts. But God said, I didn't call you to take up a massage bed and follow me. I called you to take up a cross and follow me because y'all do know. Before we get, and I know who you're thinking about, you got that person in mind, and God told me to tell you that before you condemn them, before you say, but you don't understand, know what you have done to me, that every person, Jew and Gentile, black and white, humans as a species, denied him, betrayed him, and delivered him over to a cross. And just in case you say, well, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, the book of Hebrews says every time we choose our pet sin over him, we crucify the Son of God afresh. So some of us has crucified him as recently as this morning. And you know what Jesus says? I love you anyway. Y'all, this is the gospel for real. This is, this is, you know, we don't get to say, and you know, we got all this. We like, oh, look at this diverse church. Look at our website. Look at all this. Listen, the temptation can be to say, listen, I don't have to love them white folks because do you know what they have done? (laughs) I don't have to love them woke folks because do you know what they have done? I don't have to love Republicans and Democrats. Don't you know what they have done? I don't have to love people who are really different from me. Now, I mean, I can be nice to them, but I don't have to go all the way in. And Jesus says, do you know what you have done to me? You know, there is no get-out-of-love-free pass if we're going to be a reconciled church that images the love of Christ to all people. While I'm over here, this ain't what the sermon is about, but I'll give you this one for free. That we can save some of our marriages if despite the woundedness, despite the offenses, Despite the little slights and the forgetting the anniversaries and the little things, despite that, if we can say that we will love and and not just love and serve anyway, we can see some restoration in our marriages. We can see some connections and some friendships and some workplaces healed if we will just love beyond and despite the wounding. You know, I I had to live this out in, in a way that was kind of funny, but it was a beautiful illustration. Um, believe it or not, things can happen in the body of Christ where people experience friction and experience division. And I was a young man. I was like probably in my 20s. And this is a real story. I'm convinced the Lord has made my life random just for sermon illustrations. And uh, 
I'm not, I'm not making this story up. This is an absolute true story. You can verify with my wife. She was there. This was before we were dating. And we, or maybe we were dating. I don't, I'm not sure. It was pretty early on if it was. I don't know. I think she was checking me out. But anyway, we were. <laughs> she was feeling me. She was feeling me. But we were, this was during college, and we were at a small group. And um, it was at a, at, a, at a gentleman's house, and we was playing games, you know, doing church people stuff, you know, playing games, fellowship and all that good stuff, doing to one another's, you know. It was great. And uh, so we were there, and I don't know what the deal was. We was at this gentleman's uh, apartment, and I, don't, I really don't know what, what was going on that day. I just think he was just up in arms for some reason. But we were there, and I'm not making this up. It was us and some little kids playing checkers, okay? Checkers. You know what checkers are. Not chess. Checkers. Uh, we was playing checkers. We had made a move, and um, he was like, hey, yo, you can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. This is how it works. And um, dude turned all the way up. Like, I mean, just lost it over this game of checkers, okay? I couldn't even believe what was happening in front of me. And uh, he, he, he got real upset, and he started yelling. And, and listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be completely transparent. I knew this had to be a spiritual battle and not a physical one because this brother was not of the height nor stature to be talking that crazy and reckless to me that day, okay? I was like, like this got to be a satanic attack because this ain't, bro, you don't want to do this. Like this. So I didn't respond. I said, hey, man, my bro must be going through some stuff. So I said, hey, look, man. I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Not going to do this. They're, they're like, like new Christians. I'm like, hey, bro. Let me just get my coat. I'm a dip. Not going to do this, man. We'll talk another time. When Tim, I know this game of checkers and got everybody's blood pressure up. Just head on out. This dude threw my coat in my face. And I was just like, oh. And I said, you know what? I'm going to leave because I love Jesus. And... Uh, <laughs> Not Jesus, Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> Gonna leave now. <laughs> I got my coat, I put it on, I just left, man. Our pastor heard about it. He wanted to sit down with both of us, reconcile. What's going on? Of course he thought I was the aggressor because I'm from Detroit, okay? We were in Indiana. Thought it was the guy from Six Mile. Wasn't me, actually. There's that. <laughs> we talked about it, man. He, he and I, we, you know, we kind of did, all right, bro, all right, all right, okay, good. You know, we reconciled, you know. So this was one week before Holy Week. Okay, we was in a church where we had this thing called Monday Thursday service, the foot washing service. <laughs> yes, exactly what you think is what happened. We, <laughs> some way or another, in God's divine sovereignty, this is the day I became reformed because somehow in God's sovereignty, we got paired up to wash one another's feet. I could, I was like. I was literally like looking up like in anguish into heaven, like this cannot be. So we sitting there, everybody washing feet, so we just get out. Like, first of all, y'all just gotta know, we like 20-something-year-old dudes, like, ain't nobody trying to be doing this anyway if we were the best of friends. So ain't nobody feeling this, okay? We really ain't feeling it, and we just had a little disagreement, okay? So we get out there, we like, Psh, all right, bro, all right, go wash feet, splash some water. One of them old deacons, and deacon didn't even know what happened. Deacon kept oh no, you gotta get out there, young man. He made us get out there. He's like, you gotta get out there. Bro, we was crying. We was out there like, ah! This dude had some dogs too, man. He looked like, golly, man, this dude had bunions. He looked like one of the original disciples. I was like, this is unbelievable. 
he put his foot in the, in the bucket and it changed colors. But anyway. <laughs> but y'all, y'all want to know what happened after that? Y'all want to know what happened after that? And this is, a, I promise you, a true story. We still cool today. You know what we did after that? We reconciled for real. We reconciled for real. And, and you want to know why? It's real simple. It's hard to touch somebody's feet. It's, and just, you got to figure some stuff out, you know? <laughs> And, and I tell that story to say this, people of God, I know that there's woundedness there. But God is saying, don't wait until your feelings get together. Your feelings ain't going to get together no time soon. Because me and our brother didn't feel like, do, we didn't want to do it no way. We definitely wasn't feeling it. But there was something redemptive in that moment that the old church made us to do that made it difficult to hold a grudge after you have actually served one another. So what I'm saying is put the, cart, put the horse of your action and obedience of covenant love before the cart of your feelings. And eventually your feelings and the relationship might catch up if you serve out of love and obedience to what God has said. I've been up here long enough. I'm going to get out your way. If we, we want to be this church, relationships renewed by Christ's purpose, and to do that, we have to experience love, and it's the love that we experience when we lay down our status, when we're willing to get our hands dirty, when we love despite being wounded. But lastly, the relationships that are renewed by Christ's love, here comes the purpose. What is the purpose? The purpose is that they become a witness to the world. God isn't just trying to redeem and renew our relationships just so we can have good relationships. That's a perk. That's a bonus. We want to look out for one another. We want to love one another. But God is doing this so that the world will see this church full of people that come from different backgrounds, different places, different cities. Some of them are rich. Some of them are poor. Some of them are black. Some of them are white. Some of them are from this place. Some of them are from that place. That they love one another in a climate when it is fashionable to be divided. God is saying, I want you to be a witness. Look at, look at this text. He says, listen, this is what you ought to do. He, you're required to do this. Look at the text in, in verse 12. After he had washed his, their feet, he says, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that is what I am. If I then, he makes the same argument I made at the beginning, argument from greater to lesser. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet You also ought to wash one another's feet. That word ought there, don't run over it. In the Greek, it is a literal word that means you are obligated to do this. This is not optional. You can't choose to opt in or opt out. He says, if you are going to be my disciple, this is what it means. You are obligated. In Refresh Community Church, we are obligated to one another. When we sit down with our elder and we sign that church covenant and we say, this is the church that we're going to unite to, we are obligated ourselves, not just to come and worship on Sunday morning, not just to come to grow night, but to wash one another's feet and meet one another at our worst and serve one another even when we don't feel like it. And then he says in verse 34, the degree to which you do this, he says, you're, in verse 17, he says, if you know this, you'll be blessed if you do it. Verse 17, you can know it. It's good to notice up here. You can preach sermons on it. You can talk about it. You can read books about it. You can re- listen to podcasts about it. But you'll be blessed if you do it. And I believe that this is the key to our blessings as a church, Refresh Community Church. I don't think the key to our blessings is in our uh, intellectual acuity. I don't think it's in our resources. I don't think it's in our technology. I don't think it's in our social media. The key to God's blessings in this church is how well we can love one another. 
And he says, the degree to which you do this is the degree to which you can be a witness to me. The degree to which you can do this is the degree to which you will look like me. In verse 34, he says, I give you this new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. And he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We want to be a church that people say they love God, they love one another, and they love me well. They love me when I was at my worst. They loved me when I was down and out. They loved me when I couldn't pay my tithes. They loved me when I didn't have a ride to church. They loved me when I was addicted. They loved me when I was messed up. A church that loved is a church that experienced the blessings, the presence, and the power of God. You know, this week, as we have been getting ready for this relaunch, you know, y'all already seen some of the swag and all the stuff that we got going on. Y'all seen the t-shirts. Y'all going to be able to get y'all one next week. Um, we got the t-shirts. We got other stuff going on. We got some other items. I'm not even going to tease it. It's going to be great. Y'all going to see it. It's going to be incredible. Um, we got autographed pictures of me, everything you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Put it right over your mantle place. But uh, <laughs> I'm joking. But if you want one, let me know. I'll get you one. But uh, <laughs> We got all this cool stuff, and we was looking at some of our items, looking at some mock-ups, and we were trying to, to determine on this mock-up whether we should just put the, put the icon of, of the refresh, kind of our little icon there of the water and all that stuff, or whether we should put our full logo with our words, Refresh Community Church. And as we were talking about it, I was like, well, you know, we're not like Pepsi or Nike yet, where if you just see a swoosh, you don't need to see the word Nike. You know that that's Nike. If you see the little circle thing there, you don't need to see a word. You know that that's Pepsi or Coke. I like, we, we're just getting out the gate. People don't even know we exist. They don't know who we are. So, so let's put the whole logo with our words and all this stuff on this particular piece that we were looking at. And as I began to pray through that and think through that, the Lord said, son, it's dope that y'all got a nice icon. It's beautiful that y'all have a wonderful color palette, but you do know what the logo of the church is. It's, it's, not, it's not anything that you or any other designer would come up with. It's actually love. It's, it's the, the, the logo of the church is love. When people see that you love one another, when people see that you're committed to one another, when people see that you're serving one another, that's the calling card of the church. When, when people see y'all living out this reality that greater love has no man than this, then he would lay down his life for his friends. When they see you living out of that reality, that is what is going to attract them to the church. It doesn't really matter what you put on the water bottle. What matters is whether or not you live your life with this logo and this emblem of the love of Jesus tattered all over you so everyone can see where and who I have called you to be. And so people of God, I want to just encourage us today that God is saying, Refresh Community Church, I want you to be marked not just by dope media stuff and dope promo materials, but I want you to be a church that's marked by love because that's what I did for you. I gave up my life, not when you were perfect, the Bible says, that Jesus died for us, not when we were ready, not when we deserved it, but when we were still sinners. And guess what? We got to love one another while we're still sinners. And he's calling us to that. But boy, oh boy, when you experience that and you give it, it brings about transformation that we never imagined. And so as we look to God to do this God-sized vision, to see our relationships renewed by Christ, I want to invite us as we get ready to worship a little bit, there's going to be brothers and sisters up here who's going to be praying for people. And listen, some of us need to come and get some prayer about some relationships that we need to see renewed. If we're honest, some of us heard this message and we realize we, have, we are still burdened with and wrestling with unforgiveness. And Jesus says that it's a hard word, but leave your gifts at the altar and go be reconciled. 
that, 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 that my forgiveness of you is tied to your forgiveness of others. If you've really experienced my forgiveness, then you'll forgive others. And so some of us need to come and ask for prayer because we got some relationships that need restoration and we got some people that we need to reconnect with. There's some people we need to repent to and all of that. Listen, the altar is open. Some of us need healing from deep pain, deep church hurt. You heard what I said today and you say, Carlos, that's a hard word because I have been wounded in the church. And I understand that's a hard word and we can walk together and we can walk on that path of healing because rarely is it just reserved and, or resolved in one moment, but we can walk on that together. But God is still saying that the path is still forgiveness. That's the only way you're going to heal it is to release it. And so it may be none of those things. It may be some of those things. It may be all those things. But we're going to have brothers and sisters who are here who can pray for you, who can pray with you, who can pray that God would bring renewal to those relationships. But whatever burden you're carrying, whatever it is, the altar is open for prayer where you can come and lay it down. Let us stand together as I pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you that, God, you model for us what love is. We don't have to be confused or mixed up or wonder, God. We know because you demonstrated it in the feet that you washed here. God, ultimately, you demonstrated it on the cross. God, I pray that you would meet us. God, I pray that you would give us the heart. God, we cannot love like this in our own power. It takes the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you will pour out your spirit on Refresh Community Church, God, and call us to be a people who loves this radically according to the love of Christ. And God, I pray that you will bring healing, God. Some of us are in broken relationships, broken friendships, broken marriages, God, and we need the healing power of Christocentric love. I pray that you would grant it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The altar is open. Come forward if you need prayer. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.